Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode number 440 with Rosemary Mupampa, How to Get Your Dating Groove Back. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner. Welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect and rewards she deserves in life and love. And I wrote a book about becoming a woman of value, how to thrive in life and love. It's filled with 30 tips and exercises to help you step more fully into your value. And it includes many of the interviews that I've done for Last First Date Radio. There are exercises that will help you to step into your value and build your core confidence. And you can purchase it on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. And every week I share a tip from the book and this week's tip is be a lifetime learner. It's so important to continue to grow and learn. I, I know so many people think like I'm done. Um, I've, I've done all my personal growth and I'm just done. And uh, I believe you're not done till you got a tag on your toe. So if you have a course you wanna take or a language you wanna learn or something that you want to do, please don't put it off. There is so much out there to learn in this world. And so you become more interesting, which helps you in your dating life. And it, it's you're interested and interesting. And to me, there's nothing better than that. So um, before I bring Rosemary on, I want to invite you to join my Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. And it's a place for positive support for women over 40 whether you're dating and struggling or you're in a relationship and you'd like to get even more positive support, come and join us. We are, we're monitored. So I have like seven amazing monitors who are in every single day of the week, making sure that posts stay on target. We are so different from most, most groups for single women that just everybody just posts whatever they want and it's so much negativity. And so I have curated a group with incredible guidelines that help you to become not only better at dating, but a better person. So join us at your last first date. And now I am bringing you my guest, Rosemary. She is an author and a speaker. She's a relationship coach and a retreat leader. And she's also a widow who got tired of crying herself to sleep every night because she was so lonely. And now as a relationship coach, she is on a mission to help women heal from grief and trauma, from either being a widow or divorced or having heartbreak. And she helps women get back into the dating scene with a bang. She helps them date smarter and find love again. Welcome to the show, Rosemary. Thank you, thank you so much. So let's talk about your new book, um, Exhume or Heal, A Widow's Memoir, Getting Her Groove Back. What prompted you to write this book? Um, what prompted me to write my book uh, is um, after I lost my husband, I uh, immigrated to Canada in North America from my home country in Africa. Three years before I, um, three years after my husband passed away, my dad passed away. So that really made me uh, lose my grounding. I felt I had nobody else to run to, nobody else to protect me because they had actually moved in with me to help me look after the children. When I came to North America, I still continued to lose 
a lot of family members. And um, last year, in, in, uh, well, last year, but 2019, when I decided to write my book, my youngest brother had a heart attack and he dropped dead. And that was like the last string for me because I felt like, you know, I was dealing with so much grief, so much loss, and it was really turning into baggage. And I didn't even realize that I had so much attachment to my grief and it was affecting my dating life. It was even affecting my life with my children. That's when I decided to write my book. But before I decided to write my book, I actually attended a, a women's retreat. And this is why I also run retreats. I went for a women's retreat and um, they put us in groups, uh, widows and those that were divorced, uh, the people that's, uh, that are still married, that uh, want to learn about parental care and stuff like that. And so um, in the group with, with the widows and those that are divorced, that's when I came to the realization that I do have a problem that I need to take care of. And this grief is really uh, blinding me to see what's outside my window. I felt like, you know, after you've lost your husband, it's really hard to fall in love again. And yes, I tried to, to, uh, to find love. I had two seriously broken relationships and those, they really broke my heart into a million pieces. And I decided I will never fall in love again. What's the point? Every time I try to uh, have a boyfriend, you know, I end up getting these terrible heartbreaks. But what I didn't realize was uh, the energy that I was exuding to the world is what was attracting those broken men to me because I was trying to be their social worker. I felt I could change them. But what I, what I realized afterwards is like, you can never change a man. A man will change when he is in love and a man will change for a woman that he loves, but a woman can never change a man. And I also realized that um, until you realize that you have a wound that needs to be taken care of properly, until you realize that you continue putting bandages on your wound without removing the pus from your wound, without removing the gunk, I call it gunk now, from the wound. We continue covering it up, wearing masks, you know, leaving the house with a big, big, huge smile. And then when you come back home, it's like you come back to your wounds again. And as much as, as women, we like to be strong and powerful, we still need to find our grounding. We still need to take care of our wounds because those wounds will continue to affect everybody around us, including our relationships. You know, I'm not surprised that a lot of people that are divorced or widowed, you know, they kind of hesitate to go back into the dating scene. It's because of what has happened to them before. But guess what? Healing is possible, but healing is also a choice. It's up to you to heal, you know. But once you heal, you can go back into the dating scene with a bang. So true. And I think so many people are afraid to even look at their wounds. And what they don't realize is how empowering it is to know that you can 
create change, which is so much better than being stuck. And mm-hmm. you know, they, it sounds like your personality was the fixer, the uh, the one, the therapizer, the, the one who wanted to to fix everybody. And I think you know, when you have a healing personality, it's very common to attract people who want to be fixed and you know and i remember women coming to me when i first started working in this industry who would say you know i attract men who want a mommy i I attract men who you know they just they're looking to me to to do everything for them and it's Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so annoying i don't want to do everything for them and i said well you got to stop being their mommy you got to stop fixing Mm -hmm. them right so when we have that realization we heal and then we attract a different energy and a different type of person, right? Yes, yes. So how how did you heal? The first thing I did was uh, I decided to write a book because I just did so much that was in my head and I needed to put it somewhere. So that's when I decided to write my book. And uh, inside my book, I share my journey as a widow, the downfalls that I went through. But I also share the healing therapies that you can do to heal your heart and to heal your grief. And then I also share uh, the tips of how to date smart and also the type of men that you will meet. Because when you've been out of the dating scene for a while, you are like a deer in red lights. You don't know where to go. And the dating game you know, is changing every day. You know, uh, when I got married uh, back um, a long time ago, I don't even want to say how long ago, over <laughs> 30, 30, 30 years ago, um, I met my husband in a grocery store, right? Which was very common, or a guy would whistle at you. But now living here in the Western world, guys here, they don't whistle at ladies. And even in the grocery stores, yes, they might talk to you, but it's you, the lady, that is to crack the conversation to the guy. Because most of the men here, they are kind of hesitant because they also want um, to see if the woman is interested. You know, uh, They are also afraid of rejection. And rejection for men is worse than for us women because men have ego, you know. And it's, um, it's kind of like, you have to turn the page from the page of yesterday to the new page of the new dating game. The things that we used to do back then, we can't do it anymore. And now there's online dating. Before you could not talk about online dating, you know, because people would think, why are you going online to look for strangers? You know, but you know, uh, what we forget is when you meet a new guy, he's still a stranger to you. So now online dating is the thing because with what's going on right now with the pandemic and stuff like that, you know, people cannot just approach you and start talking to you. But online is now the thing because you can actually sit in the comfort of your home and go through profiles at your own pace. And and, um, also women, have now a chance to choose the type of men that you want to go out with, which is um, a, a completely new thing. Before, as women, we would wait for men to choose us. 
But guess what? The dating game has changed. We it's have changed. the power, ladies. Yeah. We now have the power. You know, we have to choose who you want to go out with. And what women need to remember is uh, we, the women, we are the prize in the dating game because these men are also looking for us. And although we are also looking for them, a man would also want to see what we are going to put on the table. But even then, it's up to you, ladies, to choose. Is this man good or appropriate or compatible with you? You know, uh, as women, we need to move away from the desperate mode of looking for a relationship. We, know. we have to be empowered enough to be able to have that power to choose who you want. You have to make sure that this man makes you feel the way you want to feel, not the way he wants you to feel, right? It's what this guy can do for you, not what you can do for him, which is a completely new thing now. Before, we will do everything to keep a guy, but that's a disaster. That's a recipe for disaster. Now you have to see what a guy can do for you, although you also have to do your part. But most of it now, ladies, we are empowered. We have to see what a guy can do for you. Is he compatible with you? You know, how much do you need to compromise for him to fit into your life? Because a guy has to come and fit into your life, not you fit into his life, no. If you continue putting so much effort in trying to fit into a guy's life, then that's not a good relationship for you. Hmm. Yeah, you said a lot there. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, you know, it's coming and coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's all good stuff. And it's so true. And I think that, especially in our generation where, you know, we dated very differently back in our 20s and our teens. And I yeah. came across some of my old diaries and I was looking at the kinds of dates I had in my 20s. Yeah. And men were taking me out to fancy restaurants and to going to plays. And every single man took me to a nice place to eat. Now mm -hmm. you meet a guy, if you're lucky, he pays for your coffee. You know, yeah, it's like, know. you know, and it's just totally, totally changed. And women are paying for themselves and it's becoming like a very confusing scene. And yeah. the other part about the power, I think, is is just what's fascinating about it is when I started dating after my divorce, I thought men held all the power. And I would talk to men and they would say, well, you women hold all the power. So I think we both think we each hold all the power and we give up our power and yeah. we, we're not really choosing and we're waiting passively to be chosen. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just an important thing to own your power, own your confidence yes. in who you are, that you have choices and you can't force somebody to be something they're not, like we talked about the fixing before. Yeah. So, you know, choose, is this, does this feel good? And you mentioned the feelings too. And I want to highlight that because mm -hmm. if it doesn't feel good, get out. It doesn't matter yeah. how many yeah. lovely things you can check off on the check on the checklist, because mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what kind of job the person has or how good looking they are. Yeah. If it doesn't feel good, it's not good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Let's talk about some of the healing modalities that you share in the book. If you can share one mm -hmm. um, to help people get to that state of mind, because it, it does take time. I mean, you know, you were, you were devastated and you had a lot of loss and you pulled yourself up, but there was a healing that took place. So for people who feel helpless or heartbroken, what, what's one good exercise they can start with? Uh, the first exercise that I usually um, help my clients with is um, look at your life, yourself, from inside out. Um, since your loss, what has changed in your life? Obviously, your identity will change because if you were married before, you lost your husband or you were married before and you are divorced. Now we are thrown into this single dome arena, right? Without your consent. Sometimes, you know, a guy, uh, your husband will just come and throw the, the divorce papers on the table and tells you, I'm out, you know, and you are not ready for that. The first thing that you need to do is look at your life from inside out. How has that affected you? Because this is the biggest point that I realized that I missed. Because when I lost my husband, I didn't realize how much, how much trauma that part created uh, in my life. Because just that transition from being a married woman, now you are a single, a single parent, now you are a single woman, and you are now wearing two hats. You are both a dad and a mom. You know, there's a lot that comes with being a widow and being a divorcee. And even on um, when you're heartbroken, you need to give yourself time to grieve that relationship that is no longer there. Because um, as women, we are told, hush, don't cry that much. Stop grieving like that. What do you think people are going to say? You know, you need to, to pull your socks up and you need to be tough for your kids but give yourself time to grieve that relationship. Go through the mourning process. You can cry, you can scream, and, and that is what I call expressive therapy because you need to take that pain out. Most of us, we keep it in, and then you turn yourself into a superwoman. But guess what? Underneath your heart, there's worms and wounds and gunk that's there. And one day it's going to erupt like a volcano in front of a date, a potential date that is supposed to marry you. And then you just snap like that. And then you think, what happened to me? What happened to you? It's all the pain that we're, you know, harboring in your heart. Give yourself time to heal. Give yourself time to mourn. Take a journal. Write down what happened to you do uh, a personal inventory, you know, right through, uh, you know, after my husband died, how did it affect, uh, affect you? How did it affect uh, your personality, your emotions, even at work? What changed? What has changed? And from there, you'll be able to see where you need to start healing. Because sometimes just tell people, okay, you need to heal, but where do you start? You know, yeah, so there's a lot that goes into healing, but that's the first one. 
then you also need to go through the, the relationship itself that you've lost, you know, because when you, when you are married before, you used to have friends, right? But now when you are divorced and you are widowed and you're heartbroken, those friends that were both uh, your husband or, or your partner's friends, they will, you know, go the opposite direction. So they can either go with your ex-husband or your ex-boyfriend or with your ex-in-laws and you are left alone. So you also need to look at that. And that's also another part that we ignore. And then you think, why are people ignoring me? They are ignoring you because they don't know what to say to you. You know, uh, if a person hasn't walked the same road that you have walked, most of the people, they don't know what to say to you. Like for example, um, when my husband passed away, I was really annoyed when people would come to, uh, to pay their condolences and then they would, they would ask me, so, so what are you going to do? Are you going to remarry? Oh, you're so young. It's so sad that you are so pretty and you have no husband anymore. So are you going to remarry? How long are you going to take until before you start dating? I'm like, <laughs> you know, I just buried my husband last month. And now you're asking me when I'm going to remarry. I'm not even there yet, you know? And people have all these expectations for you. And so those are the things that you need to take inventory of. How has your life changed? Yeah, and stop blaming everybody for your pain, which is what I was doing. And stop seeking revenge because I wanted to revenge because a lot of people betrayed me, Sandy. And I wanted revenge so bad but guess what? I was not given the platform to revenge. And this is what happens to a lot of people. You know, you think, okay, I'm gonna get them, but you won't get them. They will still continue to get you. <laughs> if you let them, right? <laughs> yeah, if you let yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, if you let yeah. them. Yeah, and, and people, people mean well. Um, I've had loss and I've had divorce and I've had a lot of, a lot of situations where people said things that were annoying, silly, uh, infuriating. And I started to educate people. You know, if, if somebody came up to me and said something like, I'm so sorry that you're divorced, I would say, you know what? I'm, I'm happy that I'm divorced. It, it's not easy, but I'm happy to be divorced. And can I make a suggestion that in the future, you ask somebody how they feel instead of saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, yeah. You know, check in, check in with people and people don't know how to do that. I didn't know how to do that, you know, but when you're on the other side and the receiving end, or when I was going through the divorce, I had people come up to me and say, you know, you shouldn't get divorced because I don't really like my husband, but, <laughs> but I live with him anyway. So you should just like, you know, just live, live separate lives. It's fine. And I'm like, I'm not you. So Ooh. don't tell me what to do. Yeah. And right. So people project and, and they're just being human. They don't know better. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm an educator. I like to tell people, Hey, can I, can I share with you what would work better for me? Yeah. And yeah. I actually had somebody come up to me a couple of years later and say, I really appreciate that you told me 
what to say because yeah, I don't tell people I'm sorry anymore when they tell me they're divorced. I ask them how they are and they, they really, they're shocked and they appreciate it. Yeah. So, you know, and with loss too, I mean, I had a son who died and people would come up to me and say the stupidest things. Even someone at his funeral said, you know, something that was just so shocking to me. One of the people who was officiating at the funeral said, that we were incredible parents because we didn't put our child into an institution when he was born with, with birth defects. And it was like, what? what? You, <laughs> this is what you say at the funeral? Like you didn't even know this kid did not belong in an institution. And it was just like, anyway, uh, you know, people are people. Right? Yeah, people. And that- you gotta let go. You gotta let go of all the, the, mm-hmm. the bad and the, the the missteps and the because it holds you back it hurts you right it does yeah and you gotta learn to forgive as well yeah 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 forgiveness Forgiveness is so important so yeah yeah. so a lot of people misunderstand forgiveness they think it means i'm saying it's okay Mm -hmm. that you did this um like if somebody hurts you and i forgive you then i'm saying it's okay that you hurt me how do you look at forgiveness yeah, I look at forgiveness as uh, taking my power back because, you know, I always look back at, at my story and my journey that I was holding on to so much unforgiveness. And it's the unforgiveness that was causing me so much emotional pain and physical pain to a point where uh, my blood pressure was skyrocketing most of the times. So I had to go on onto uh, double medication. And my doctor one day even said, you know, you are going to have a stroke. Are you aware of that? But it was all because I was, I was so hurt to a point where I wanted revenge so bad. And then I came to the realization at that retreat I was talking about that, you know what, if I don't forgive, this is going to kill me, not them. So that's when I decided, you know, I need to let go. And it will give you so much peace. And it's like a a million tons of bricks has been lifted off your shoulders because it means what they they did to you or, or what they still continue to do to you does not affect you and control your happiness anymore. So this is the biggest thing that I learned. And the day I learned that, I thought, you know, why didn't I think about forgiving these people years back? I've been carrying all this unforgiveness for all these years, for what? So forgiveness is about taking your your power back from those people that hurt you and to show them that, you know what? What you did is not affecting me anymore, but it doesn't mean that what you did is okay. What you did was not okay, but it's not affecting me anymore. And next time I will not give you a chance to hurt me again. Right, so you learn from it. It happens for you, not to you. And and it's empowering to let go because, and also, you know, the piece that you talk about, I think is so important. When you meet someone, let's say you're dating someone who's still holding on to all that resentment and anger, it's ugly. It's it's yes. like a burden that that you feel 
Mm-hmm. And I remember because I hadn't yet healed when I first started dating after my divorce, I would attract a lot of these guys who would tell me how horrible their ex-wife was. She took all yeah. this money and she did this to him and, and now yeah. I'm broke and I'm like, okay, bye-bye. <laughs> now, <laughs> I won't even, I won't stay on the phone for 10 minutes with people like this. But yeah. back then I just would listen for like an hour and a half to somebody being a victim no more it's it's draining it is it is unattractive and it it hurts you but again it's not our job to fix Mm -hmm. it's their job to go heal and it's our job to go find somebody who's better fit yeah it was a a better fit for us yes yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so what what did you do before you were a relationship coach um, back in Zimbabwe, I was a college lecturer. And then when I came to North America, I have a social work and uh, a sociology background. So I was working in the mental health um, field for the longest while. And then I was also a domestic violence counselor for almost 13 years when wow. I came to North America. Mm. So nice. that's, that's my specialty, really, working with uh, domestic violence um, women and also in the mental health field. Wow. I just, somebody just reached out for me to um, add a link to an article I wrote about domestic violence on my blog because, you know, having gone through some emotional abuse, I, Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's like to be actually, you know, hit and hurt and get to the brink of death often and sometimes die. And especially during COVID, we've had so many people who were thrown into very unsafe environments. Yeah. And I'm sure you you heard all about it and help people. And it's so it's I really admire that you do that work. It's it's very important work. And so like how did you segue from that to becoming a relationship coach? Um, I decided to become a relationship coach um, after I went through uh, lots of personal development. Um, After my two failed relationships, I thought I am done until I know why I cannot find the man that I am compatible with. So I did a lot of research to finding why, you know, I was attracting these, you know, un, uh, emotionally unavailable men, people that needed a nurse, a social worker, instead of, you know, a partner. And I also found out that, you know, most of these women, men and us women, when you are hurt, you bleed on other people. So I was hurt and I, I was bleeding on everyone. And that's why I was attract, uh, attracting the wrong men into my life. So after that, I decided, you know what, let me get my certification in place and then I can start helping myself first and then I'll help other people. And that's when I decided, you know what, I need to start helping other women. And uh, my friends would come and and, uh, look for advice, even my nieces, um, they would call me auntie, what, uh, what do you think I should do? This guy is doing this to me. And, you know, I started giving free advice. But then, you know, after a while, you think, you know what? Um, I am giving so much free stuff, but I need to get something out of it. 
So that's when I decided to get registered. And now I'm doing it. <laughs> Wonderful. That's a good story. So um, what are your final words of advice for a woman who wants to go on her last first date, but she's a little afraid to get out there again? Um, it's never too late to fall in love. I was talking to one of my clients uh, last week. She's 58. And she's like, Rose, do you think I'm too old to date? And I told her, I'm almost 60 and I have a boyfriend. So why don't you start dating again? So there's no age limit to date. And love is out there for us women to enjoy. We were made to have somebody with us. Once you go out of love, you can always come back and find love. There's no limit to that, but it's up to you. How do you do it? You have to do it the right way because if you continue meeting the wrong man, it means there's something wrong that you are doing. So if you have been doing the same thing over 20 years and expecting to get Mr. Right, walking into the house wearing matching socks, a nice haircut, no. You have to take a step back revisit how you are doing it, you know, get educated about it. A lot of women, they still think, well, why should I get a relationship coach? You should get a relationship coach because it's like you are walking in the dark and expecting to find your Mr. Right in the dark. You need directions and you get directions from relationship coaches, people like Sandy, you know, people like me that have been there, you know, it's one thing to be a relationship coach when you, you haven't walked the walk, you know. You and I have been there. You have been divorced, I've been widowed. I've gone through broken relationships, you know. So we have the experience to help other women and show them where to go, you know. And don't waste your time just thinking that, you know, a guy will just fall from the sky for you. No, you have to... <laughs> To change your game, ladies, we have to change our game and get the right things to do so that we know what to do and where to find this good man. Because there is lots of men out there that are waiting for us, ladies. <laughs> I love it. They show up with matching socks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they show up with matching socks and, you know, six packs <laughs> and the muscles and everything with a oh, nice yeah. cup outside. And you think, oh my goodness, this is Mr. Right. Okay. Spend <laughs> 15 minutes with him. You know, you feel like <laughs> you just need to run outside and never come back again. You know, yeah. Okay. So most of the women are also going into dating for the wrong reasons. You know, why do you want to go back into the dating scene? And right. what kind of men are you looking for? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm starting, uh, I teach a course on online dating and I'm starting the fifth round of, of dating during the pandemic. This is the fifth time I'm teaching and we're starting tonight. And yeah. we start with uh, the must have list and the deal breakers because most people completely get that wrong. Yeah. You know, they must have all these things that don't matter. And really we start with feelings. How do you want to feel? And mm -hmm. according to how you want to feel, who does he have to be? 
And yeah. then we create the list, at, you know, based on that. But there's so much that we don't know because nobody ever taught us. Nobody ever showed us that there's actually a system for working on your wounds, for letting go of anger, for finding out why you repeat patterns and how to create healthier, healthier dating and healthier relationships. Yeah. So thank you so much, Rosemary. And tell, tell people how they can find you. Okay, you can find me on my website. My website is roseslifecoaching.com. And on the website, there's also um, my book, or you can go to my business Facebook, and it's uh, Roses Life Coach. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom today, Rosemary. Yeah, thank you so much, Sandy, for having me. Uh, my pleasure. And for everybody who's listening, thank you. And please rate and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us grow even larger. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon. Bye.